This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Friday, February 2nd, Brendan. It was 50 degrees in Chicago on wow. Thursday. Balmy. Okay. 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 And now, yeah. here on this fine Friday for the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast, February, spring training, pitchers and catchers, weeks away. There will be Cubs baseball of the exhibition variety this month. I was setting some scheduling towards the end of the month. I have that iCal automatic loaded Cubs calendar. So it just like gets it from some RSS feed or whatever. And I'm going through my calendar at the end of the month. I'm like, what are these blocks of calendar things doing here? Like, wait a second. That says Cubs. And it hit me. We have baseball in three weeks. Three weeks baseball every day until at minimum the first week of October for us. Hopefully more. Are you yeah. ready? So uh, we do have plenty to talk about. Obviously, since we last spoke, uh, the Chicago Cubs adding to their bullpen, uh, bolstering that since Brendan and I last spoke. Uh, mm-hmm. We are still playing the Cody Bellinger Matt Chapman, everybody kind of waiting game for the Cubs to figure that out. And then late on Thursday, the Brewers traded Corbin Burns to the Baltimore Orioles. So the Brewers getting a nice uh, set of prospects, a nice return uh, for, you know, just a year, but no Corbin Burns in the Brewers rotation. So the Brewers are going to look pretty significantly different as we head to 2024. So we'll talk a little bit about that, kind of the the ramifications on the division. Uh, Though, even just as first thought, Brendan, I think it just highlights everything we've already said and I think have been saying for a few months now. This division is ripe for the picking. Go do it. Well, you have two weeks, three weeks, maybe longer if these potential free agents go into spring training. But there's still so many more moves to be made. You and I were talking, and we'll talk about it this episode, but even trading Burns and not having Woodruff, Milwaukee's still too comfortably close to the Cubs in projections, even with other teams as well. So you can trade away Burns. You can uh, hope that Woodruff comes back on like a two-year pillow deal with his injury, but... Still, the Cubs have to significantly improve for the 2024 season. A lot more moves have to be made. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, that's going to be the the debate, I suppose, is you know for us, and I think most people, we're looking at it as this is the weakest this division has been in some time. Go, like, make sure it's yours. I, I feel like, you know, you add Cody Bellinger, Maybe Matt Chapman too, as we've talked about. Stabilize, continue stabilizing your pitching staff. Like I think you do come away with what we asked for, like a team that definitely looks like they are the favorite in the division, which is what I've been asking for the whole time. But you're still moves away from that at this exact moment. You're you're still not there, and I think there may be uh, fans or hopefully not, but potentially people uh, who work on Clark and Addison who look at things and go, well, we don't have to get that much better because the division has gotten weaker. I like where they are currently assuming they make a few more deals here, but 
The Hector Nair signing, I thought was a quality, cost-efficient signing yeah. for that bullpen. The overall bullpen looks good in terms of high volume, high ceiling with some stability. I like how that's shaping up. I like the Imanaga signing, not just for 2024, but also beyond with the opt-outs uh, for the next few years. Judd is making good moves. The front office is putting this organization in a healthy position where there's flexibility to improve. Now it's just putting together the big pieces, putting together yeah. the big signings like Chapman or Bellinger or both, or making a high-profile type trade. Yeah. That's going to be the necessity. Uh, okay, so I do want to get your uh, thoughts, breakdown on Hector Neris, uh, the Cubs' new bullpen man. Obviously, you and I talked on last Friday about like Ryan Stanek, so a, a different Astro, but we were close. I mean, similar uh, so, pitch types, honestly. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about that. And and as I, I mentioned, I think in, on Twitter, you and I spent a good bit of time talking about the splitter. And then a day later, the Cubs signed a reliever who throws a really nasty splitter. So that kind that. of really well. I do want to get to that. I want to get to where the division is projected at right now. Uh, but first... If you did not catch Cody, Luke, and Ryan's interview earlier this week on the CHGO Cubs podcast and the CHGO Sports YouTube page, I do encourage you to check that out. It was almost, I think, 45 minutes with the Cubs pitching coach. Really great interview. He touched on his thoughts on Imanaga, Kyle Hendricks, off-season preparation, uh, you know, his reputation as kind of being a, a mound visit whisperer when he goes For out. For an hour, too. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Come on, burying. I, I was waiting for it. Were we seven minutes in? I, 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 well, I wanted people to have a preview of what we were going to talk about. Forget the preview. The no one cares about the preview. If you didn't catch the interview with Tommy Hadavi, one Brendan Miller did have the opportunity to interject with a pre-recorded video, uh, a yeah. question to finally, not directly, but close, speak to the Cubs pitching coach, which one. Brendan and I have been doing this podcast since 2016. We started it uh, out of our apartments, no support, backing, anything, just us. And to be that close to the pitching coach <laughs> of the Chicago Cubs, it's insane. Hilarious. It's Absolutely insane. insane. So a, a brief oh my thank God. you to everybody who has listened to us or watched us or supported us because that doesn't happen without you guys. And that was really cool uh, for Brendan to do and for me to watch Brendan do. Uh, but moreover, Brendan, you asked a really good question on Jameson Tyone uh, and his process and what happened last year and stuff. And again, I direct you to the interview for Tommy's answer. Very thoughtful. What stuck out to me, though, is that when Luke said, we have a question from Brendan, Tommy, Tommy Hadavi picks up a notebook and says, I got my notebook. I'm ready. I'm sure Brendan is coming with some stuff plus questions. Man. And my first thought was I don't think I don't think we told him that. So uh, your reputation precedes you, Brendan, with with Tommy Hadavi. I don't know what's going on here, you know. <laughs> Listen, like you said, we've been doing this for coming up on 9 seasons now. And we joked for years, oh, we, we'll get Tommy Hot to be on this podcast one day, like legitimately joking about this. He's on the podcast, and I'm asking this guy a question after talking about it for five years. It's it's crazy. I think 
I don't know how you feel about it, but you know, doing this is fun. We're genuine fans. And to get to your point that close to the people who are doing this on a daily basis is hilarious and extremely fun. Now well, I'm listening, I'm listening to this. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say that I I appreciated that I I literally forgot what I was gonna say. That's fine. That. But what I was, what I was, you're like in, you're in starstruck right now. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what's exactly. going on. But when I was, when I was listening to the episode, I was, you know, doing my daily job, got my headphones in, you know, I got the, the screen on a minimum view so no one can see I'm not working. Right. And 20 minutes through unprompted, like you said, Tommy Hadavi says, I'm waiting for Brendan's question. I'm, I got my headphones. I'm like, whoa, whoa, like, what was that? <laughs> You know, I'm jolted. I'm distracted. I can't do anything for the next 40 minutes, right? That's how like fun this stuff is. And to get an opportunity to to even not live, but you know, interact with Tommy Hotty, joke with him in a humorous way. He did not he did not take my offer though. Not yet. Of my of my of my phone number. Yeah. It's not still yet. out there. I feel like Tommy and I would get along quite well, you know. We both like baseball. We both like sports. He, we both even play fantasy sports. He likely didn't want to come on too strong, Brendan. If he had called you and invited you to true. spring training, like that's true. You know, yet it would be like, whoa, okay, like chill. Should but I give him the dates? Couple going weeks, spring maybe you get a non-roster invite, something like now that. We're talking. What I was gonna say when I had a, a little bit of a brain fart earlier was, I was glad. One of the reasons I think you and I have joked so much about you being able to ask Tommy questions is because I, I don't know anybody that comes up with more questions about the Cubs pitching staff. So what I was going to say is it was very nice that instead of texting me at two in the morning, these thoughts yeah. about Jamison Tyone, you can just go straight to the source, not Jamison himself, but close to the direct source and just ask the Cubs pitching coach. And then I don't have to get those text messages. You love those text messages though. <laughs> and by the way, some players unprompted like Tommy Hadovy like talking to me too, you know? I'm a hit around the clubhouse apparently. It's just we're matters of months away. Don't give me that face. I, what on earth is that in reference to? Well, we've got a few pitchers, you know, who like my graphs, you know? Oh, okay. I'm not going to give yeah. more information and spill the beans, but people like my graph scoring. Actual major league pitchers like our, my graphs. Our guy Ryan Herrera just tells you that so that it makes you feel better, but I got sure. I got direct confirmation from the guys, <laughs> you know? I'm going to be um, on the team by the end of the year. So anyway, do check out that interview. Like I said, it was, I think, close to 45 minutes with Tommy Hadovy and just touched on so many different topics and gave really good insights uh, into the Cubs pitching staff. Not only just what happened last year, but what he's looking forward to in 2024, what they can build on in 2024. And... It was just a great interview. So uh, kudos to our guys, Luke, Cody, and Ryan. Great interview yeah. and always appreciate the time, even if you and I aren't conducting the interview uh, from Tommy Hottavy. He was very generous with his time, and everybody at the CHGO Cubs podcast appreciates that. So yes. do check that out. Let's talk pitching, and let's okay. talk about the Cubs bullpen now. So they make the move. They add uh, a, a veteran, a guy that can throw hard, a guy that has playoff experience, World Series experience, one of the most durable relief pitchers over the last several years in baseball, extremely reliable. Talk to us about the signing. And then 
where, like, do you think that the Cub, you know, I, I know some people have said you'd like, they'd like to see them add a left-hander, uh, which this move does not check that box, but do you think they're done? Do, would you like to see more? How do you feel about the current state of the bullpen after this week's signing? I feel good about it. I feel good about it because you can think of all the potential scenarios and there's so many different scenarios where the bullpen looks good. If one pitcher doesn't perform, even if two pitchers don't perform to your point, what about the lefties? One of the reasons why I do like the bullpen is because we have a variety of different pitchers who can actually get lefties out despite them being right-handers. Hector Neris is one of those guys. He has a split finger uh, pitch that does very well against left-handed batters. The second guy who does well against lefties is Merriweather. He is more of a tighter north to south slider. He can get lefties out as well. The 2023 Lugie, ironically, is a righty, which is lighter, who also has that splitter. He was used against those lefty matchups almost exhaustively by David Ross. And then you have right now the presumable closer in Amber Alzali, who also has more of a sharper north to, the, north to south slider. Those are four pitchers all of whom have high leverage experience who can get left-handed batters out. And then you start thinking about correct counsel's utilization of those guys, given the specific context of certain lineups. That's where I get excited because those are the fringe moves that Ross may not have capitalized on where Jed Hoyer then thinks council can make those improvements and you can get maybe a half a win to two wins to three wins more as a result of optimizing those sequences. I feel good about it, Corey. I do like the Hector Nair signing a lot. I don't think it makes sense to spend a high amount of money on the remaining free agents in the bullpen, nor does it make sense to go out and trade top tier prospects for relievers who might have similar value as Nair's. Do you think that they need a, a true, like, better left-handed option in this bullpen? Would that be something, if they could possibly address it, that you'd like to see? Or I'll do you think they it. can? I'll take it. I don't yeah. think it's a necessity. It, what would require them to get a lefty is if they don't have pitchers that can get lefty batters out. What yeah. more do you want? Do you want... Uh, uh, a pitcher to have like a 200 Woba against lefties and a 300 under 300 Woba against lefties. They already have guys on this staff in that bullpen who can do that. We have Naris Leiter who had Wobas under 300 against left-handed batters last season. So they already have the capacity to get those left-handed batters out. Now, of course, I'll take that lefty because then you can use the bullpen in a more dynamic fashion and it gives more flexibility. I want to say it's a necessity. I would say it adds value, even though it's still not a necessity. Well, and can that person be Drew Smiley? That could be Drew Smiley we as well. Who, by the too. way, by the way, he's developing a splitter this offseason. Supposedly, given his uh, social posts, he's, he's developing this like split cut looking thing. We'll see if he actually uses it. But he was at driveline testing that pitch out, maybe just having fun. Who knows? But keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I, I like this a lot. You know, we we ended up talking about Ryan Stanek uh, last Friday because that was what the rumor was, I think, from Bob Nightingale and Bruce Levine. And, you know, part of what we talked about was, again, you know, they don't need to necessarily go out and get the uh, top five reliever. They just need more reliable options. And I mean truly reliable options 
for Craig Council to make this bullpen deeper. And I, I think that this checks all those boxes. You got a guy that can bring the heat. He's got playoff experience. He's been in a winning organization. You look at, and you know, you can chop up the sort of sample size as much as you want. Uh, but he's got, you know, of relievers since 2018, he's got the 21st, 21st most wins above replacement. Like this is a, a quality, quality reliever and somebody that Craig Council can depend on and really adds to this bullpen. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you can always use more pitching depth. So if they want to continue adding, um, I'm fine with that, but I feel like the bullpen is in a pretty good place at the moment, especially when you consider what we've talked about before, like, and they talked about this with Tommy Hadovy in the interview the other day, that you do have so many guys who are kind of in a uncertain role at the moment. You do have guys who could potentially be starters, depth starters, guys that go multiple innings out of the bullpen, or maybe like Alzali, you see them sort of shift the focus of some of these guys to just being, hey, we're going to turn you into reliever. This is what you're doing now. We're done with the starter stuff. So they have a lot of options. I think they have a lot of depth. Um, you know, do you look at this pitching staff and think this is going to be the best group in the league? Probably not, but it's strong. And I think definitely good enough to compete in this division, which is what we're asking them to do right now. This would be the bulk of pitchers whom council can call on from day one. Alzali, Neris, Merriweather, Leiter, Smiley. Those are five. Quas, Almonte, Valencia, Little, Thompson. That's 10. Then we get into the swing guys. Assad, Wisniewski, that's 12. Michael Rucker is 13. No, Michael Yuli. Rucker is who went for Hector. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. He's gone. Well, you know who's back on the team, Corey? World Series champion. Carl yes, Edwards Jr. We didn't Jr. talk about that either. Now talk about that. Yeah. Carl Edwards Jr. back on this team. And then you want to go even deeper. You have guys like Ben Brown. You have Camp Sanders if he gets his command under yeah. control. But really, you have about 12 guys right now from day one who might be competing for an opening day spot, depending how they perform and how they adapted during the offseason. So it's a high sum of guys, high volume of guys that you can imagine eight work out. And if a few don't, you still have. Yeah. A crop of pitchers to choose. And did you mention Luke Little? Did we talk I about did. Luke Little? Okay, I did. Good. Yeah. Which he, again, has, he has another left-handed option, pitch. but yeah, he would need, you know, he will see if he breaks camp with the team or exactly how they treat his role. He's a uh, weird pitcher in a good way. He's got, you know, that big frame. He's got that sweeping looking slider, got that odd release point for a big guy. He's he's one of those outliers in, in every uh, sense of the definition. So I like, I like the relievers that are, I mean, Luke Little is 6'8", 220. I like that in a reliever. It, it, I, I would imagine that that puts some fear into people when that's coming out of the bullpen. And this is a weirder, lower release point too. So, you know, when you try to use stuff plus, for example, to quantify the value of that pitch, there are a few pitchers in the league with his release points and his heights Therefore, it's hard to actually confidently project what that slider would look like. So it's going to be fascinating. If he gets his command under control, he could definitely be that lefty guy we want. But that command right now is a big if. And, and the durability for a full season. We've seen yeah. recently even someone like Brandon Hughes. Great year, injured, off the team, all within a matter of 14 months. Yeah. 
so yeah, I, I feel like it is indeed in a good place. Um, and, and I'm happy to have Carl back. He was, uh, he had a solid year with Washington in 2023 and just an all around great dude. And of course, as we discussed, uh, he did win the world series with the Chicago Cubs in 2016. Yes. Which year? 2016. So, 2016. Yeah. Okay. He actually appears okay. in game seven. Which they, the Cubs won? do win. Okay. Yeah. So okay. there you go. Just, just making sure. All right, Corey, let's do our first ad break here and we'll get back into it. First ad break here from Circa Sportsbook. Games will strive to be a minus 110 split on the Circa Sports menu, unlike other sports books, which may use minus 115 or minus 120 splits. Circa Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to those other books. Circa Sports does not limit players based on their winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit those winning players. There are also real people behind the Circus Sports brand to resolve issues in a timely fashion. Unlike other books who use chatbots, all aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circus Sports book at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So download the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusports.com slash Illinois app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. And if you or someone you know may have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Text G-A-M-B to 833234 or visit com. Second break, break here is from our sponsor, Empire. Empire today is the best place to get new flooring. So, of course, they have copycats. But Empire can't be beaten on quality, service, speed. So competitors advertise low-quality products that Empire simply will not carry. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does is putting flooring in your home that they would not put in their own home. They also have this cool virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your own room. Shopping for floors at a big box store can be frustrating. You might talk to someone today who was working in plumbing yesterday. Flooring is all Empire does. They live and breathe flooring, so you can be confident you're getting honest, upfront advice. They also service their own warranties. If any issue does arise, just call Empire. Their service, they service all warranties, again, themselves. You won't have to track down in manufacturers. Phone numbers to schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use the promo code CHGO. Restrictions do apply. See empowertoday.com slash CHGO for details. All right, Brendan. So as you and I are recording this, we still await, as I said, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, some of the other Boris clients. I hate that guy. And Scott Boris is ruining my life. He's ruining my life. He's been ruining my life for the past 10 years. Yeah. So we wait and we see how the Cubs decide to fill out their roster and finish competing in this division. It's an interesting spot because there's so many guys available and we are now in the month where pitchers and catchers and everybody is going to report to spring training. It's not necessarily a new thing. I know you were tweeting I think yesterday or today about some guys that signed late in February and March, like et cetera. So we may be in for a long wait, hopefully not, but we'll see. As we've always said, if Cody Bellinger, someone signed, if Cody Bellinger signs anywhere, 
the CHGO Cubs will have an emergency podcast. You can tune in here. But if anybody two in the morning, three in the Cubs, we will also have an emergency podcast. So we're prepared for that. We've been prepared for that, but we remain waiting. So we know the Brewers brought in Reese Hoskins, but then I think it was about a week later. Now trading Corbin Burns, their ace, a guy that has given the Cubs fits and many other teams in this league fits. Um, so I think it's worthwhile to kind of take a look at where the division is right now. We don't expect the Cubs to be done with their offseason work. That is not what we have heard from anybody. Remember, we're in the fifth inning, I think Jed said, at CubsCon. So I don't know if, you know, now we're a couple weeks removed from CubsCon. I don't know if now we're in the sixth inning. I don't really know how that scale works, Brendan. I don't know if it's based on moves or time. It's hard to know. Maybe he's just making it up. So A lot of pitching changes. (laughs) I don't don't know. Yeah. (laughs) But we hope that the Cubs are not done with their offseason, especially on the offensive side. But let's let's talk about where we are now because I think it's it's an obvious – interesting position that the Brewers are in. They've lost David Stearns. They've lost Craig Council, who is now the manager of your Chicago Cubs. They lose Brandon Woodruff. Now, obviously, he's going to be somewhat of a reclamation project, but still they decided that he was not going to be their reclamation project coming off of injury, and they they trade their ace. I mean, one of the best pitchers in baseball, and he goes to the Orioles. So they've added, but they've also subtracted a lot. And the Cardinals spent some money to make their rotation better, but also quite old at the same time. And other than that, have not done much. And, you know, like I said, the the Pirates and Reds have a lot of young talent. They make some moves, but I don't think either of them have taken the necessary steps to threaten the top of the division, though the Reds did go on a nice little run last year. So we'll see. But for you, where do you find the Cubs right now? Where does the division stand? And, you know, when we look at some of the moves that we've talked about, does does just signing Cody get the Cubs there? Do they have to do more than that? Like, where does the NL Central stand right now? If the season were to start today, there's still a huge degree of variance. I, even, I hate showing these graphs sometimes, but if the season were to start today, the Cubs would be projected to have around... 37 to 38 total wins above replacement. Now, last year, they finished at 42 wins above replacement, and they finished with 83 wins in a 91 Pythag expected record. Currently, with about 37 wins projected, 37 war projected, they're almost neck and neck with Milwaukee, although they just traded Burns, so this might be lower. And they're below the Cardinals' current estimate of about 41 wins. So they're not the favorite by projection standpoints right now. Now, again, war does not equal wins in this specific type of scenario. But the point being is that they're within range of several teams within this division. The degree of error is still way too close for this Cubs team. Now, if you sign Matt Chapman, you basically go neck and neck with the St. Louis Cardinals at around 41 or so wins above replacement. Okay. If you sign Matt Chapman, 
for 20 to 25 million dollars, then you are about 15 million below that first tier of the luxury tax. Now, if you sign Cody Bellinger for let's say 25 to 30 million, then you go neck and neck with that second tier of the luxury tax. And by doing so, you become the favorite from a projection standpoint, and you surpass the total amount of war the Cubs had in 2023 in your projections. What Jed will have to reconcile is how confident are these projections? That's the that's the key. These are just your average projections. How confident can he be that signing Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman truly put the Cubs in that 2023 win territory? Is it worth justifying signing both to go at that second tier of the luxury tax? My gut tells me he won't do that. Jed won't do that because there is a lot of variability with this team right now. And you may want to keep that open for trades at the deadline and save some money for 2025. It's still so close. Even signing those two guys puts you as the as the on paper favorite, no doubt. But it's still a little uncomfortable seeing teams that close, at least from an on paper projection standpoint. My yeah. expectation going into the year that we would be, you know, 45, 48, 50 total projected war among those top five teams. Stupid projection, stupid expectation, right? But that that is what remember I remember when we wanted. were dreaming of Otani. Remember that? It's Ohtani, the same off season. Doesn't it feel like a different season? I was dreaming of Otani and Yamamoto yeah. and Cody Bellinger, right? So this is where we are right now. Maybe you can get one of those. Uh yeah. I mean, right now with the Brewers, like I think this is a a solid haul for them. I'm not, you know, you and I aren't prospect guys, but like the initial reception seems like it's pretty good for the situation. Um, I Greg Hustler's show. I'm kind of a prospect guy. Okay. Uh, Anyway, and I'll, looking at their, obviously I think they've gotten worse. That's a, a big blow to not have Corbin Burns in the way that he can dominate and lead that pitching staff. You look at their roster, it's uninspiring, I think, even after the Hoskins edition. But we've been burned by looking at a Brewers roster that we felt didn't really no warrant intended. performing that well before. Now Craig Council's not there, et cetera. But I'll believe it when I see it. I've been burned not, too many times. I'm not going to say anything that's going to haunt me. You know, I, yeah, I want to say what I want to say, but I'm not going to say. But yeah. what I want to say is that it's over. That. The whole double magic thing that they barred from St. Louis, it's done. Yeah. Council's gone. Their front office is gone. Burns is gone. Water of shoulders being repaired. I think it's over, but I'm not going to say that because yeah. that will come back and haunt me. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, again, and I, I might have done this a couple weeks ago, but uh, to quote the great movie Miracle in Herb Brooks' big speech before the game against the Soviet, he says, uh, their time is over. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And I would give the same great message movie. to Jed. I've been, that's what we've been saying the whole time. Like great movie. the team that has been running this division for a few years, or as, at least your one of your biggest headaches has gotten worse. They've had brain drain and they're losing one of the best pitchers in baseball. 
go win the division. Don't right. Cause right now you have probably a few teams projected in the low eighties, low to mid eighties and wins the Cardinals. Yeah. Maybe if they figure stuff out, but obviously, you know, even for as bad as they were last year, like a lot of talent there, they added a lot older in their rotation, which was certainly a decision, but like, you know, Sonny Gray has been very good. Like some, you know, so I wouldn't expect them to be as bad as they were last year. I think is the point. The Reds, a lot of young talent, definitely on the come up. So you have a lot of teams in that range. You have to separate yourself from that group because otherwise you're dealing with the same stuff that we went into the season last year worrying about where it's now it's all these little margin things. How do you perform in one run games? How do you hold close leads and stuff? And of course that's the game of baseball, but we always go back to that quote from Jed where the best teams blow teams out. It's the easiest way to remove so much of the variance and those little things that can disrupt your plans in the game of baseball. And right now the Cubs have not done enough. And I don't expect them to get to the point where it's like, you know, unless a meteor hits the earth, they're winning this division. I don't think they're going to get there in this offseason. But there's moves out there, namely Cody Bellinger and maybe more, that pretty easily put you in a position where if you don't get in your own way, you should be winning this division. Yeah, the the move Baltimore made is a good comparison for what I hope the Cubs do in value acquisition. You acquire and Burns on paper, three, three and a half wins. And then you put yourself from, you know, maybe top eight teams. All of a sudden you're a top four team, just that one trade. Even though you gave up maybe a top 50, top 60 prospect, the 34th overall uh, pick in next year's draft, and then a, then a flyer that might be ready as soon as next year. I, I, I get the value in that, but the risk giving those guys up is worth the reward given that you move yourself up those standings, you move yourself up those projections and you shrink the possibility of the team not performing that well. Where I'm concerned is even if they go out and sign Chapman and Bellinger, it still may not be a comfortable position. By the way, I want those two guys. I think if they sign Bellinger or Chapman, my optimistic side tells me they're probably a 90-ish win team. On paper, they may not be a 90-ish 90 90-ish win team. And if you want to be realistic about it, there's a lot of uncertainties with the pitching staff, the starting pitching staff, despite the high volume. But my optimistic side tells me, projections be damned, that if you sign Chapman, you sign Bellinger, you're probably the clear-cut favorite. And I would bet significant money they do win that division. Yeah. It's just different from the front office point of view, trying to project value and the risk associated with some of these guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, again, we're, we're playing the waiting game here, but I, do you think they signed both those guys? No, I think really? it's possible. If I think you, you had, asked me this a week ago or two weeks I ago. Did. I, I think I'm it's just, possible, I mean, but it's, it's the same answer. Like unless one of those contracts has to come to you, I think they're both, the market isn't going to be what they would hope or what Boris would hope, but y you're going to need Chapman likely, but one of them to be willing to take one of those short-term, maybe opt-out filled type deals. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Is it enough for you? Going into the year, you set your expectations for Otani. You and I bought into Yamamoto for a if, second. If, Is that enough? If I went back to the beginning of the off season 
and you laid it all out, my initial instinct might be no. But for where we are and relative to the division, because I think that does matter, of course. Like we want them to get to the point where they're competing with the Braves, competing with the Dodgers, competing for World Series titles. And, you know, again, I, I know neither of those teams won the World Series or even appeared in the World Series, but it's good process. They have good process. That's what we're trying to emulate here. But at the, mo- you know, I said I wasn't going to move the goalpost. And what I wanted out of this offseason, given the lofty expectations that we came in with and then ratcheted up when they poached Craig Council, was you need to be the favorite in this division. And they have not gotten there yet. And I feel even more emboldened in that after the Brewers trade Corbin Burns. Like, they are not going for it. They are going the opposite direction. Like, they haven't necessarily launched a full-scale rebuild, but that team is not better than it was last year. And in fact, it might be markedly worse. The Cardinals bolster their rotation, but not in a way that is, I don't want to say transformative, but it you know what I mean. Certainly interesting. The Reds, Pirates, you know, have not done much. It's not been that exciting of an offseason for this division. And so I I would like to see them finish this offseason by being aggressive and planting that flag in the division and saying, you know what? There's a lot of parity right now in this division. It might be close. You could pick out of a hat maybe which team you thought was definitely going to win this division right now. Take yourself out of that group. Go make the moves to take yourself out of this group and make yourself the favorite. Uh, it, yeah. It's it's frust- It would be very frustrating if that is not the case because you look across the game of baseball and you're so fortunate that you are in this division right now. Blessed to be in this division. There are nightmare divisions in this league. The Imagine AL the West, West is a yeah. total nightmare. An absolute nightmare. The AL East, always a nightmare. Like just, so. The NL West too. Yeah. Imagine you're the the Dodgers just sitting on top. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like imagine being those, you know, and then they didn't, they weren't even the team from that division that won the pennant. So I think you have to take advantage of that. It would be the, the wrong attitude and a very disappointing one from this franchise if the attitude was we're just going to hope that we can win a bad division. Yeah. Like, ensure it. Nothing is guaranteed, but you you have the ability, if you can get to a 90-win projection, you are way above everybody else in your division. Just get there. It, it's, it's, it's not even a, a crazy – like, what are the Dodgers projected for right now? 105 wins? Yeah. And I, I'm not even joking. 3,000 wins. <laughs> yeah. 3,000. 150. Believe it or not, even the, the Braves are still projected to be better than the Dodgers. Their team is just unreal. I know. Yeah. This is crazy. Anyway, like, go go do it. Don't settle for just slightly being the best of a lesser group. Go Go grab the division and take it by the reins. And then you do that now. You have your prospects coming up. You continue to build. Make it your division for the next, how long is Craig Council here? Six years? Go In my my mind, he's going to retire here. Yeah. I feel like when you're you're talking about 
all the risk and taking the division and talking about the prospects, I was thinking about the last few years and how Jet has operated, kind of keeping some of those windows open, those possible windows for having cheaper, cheaper value. In the the thought came to me, don't make fun of me for, for this, but I do think it provides context here. There was a situation where Marcus Sherman was available just before the lockout, and they they signed him for a three-year deal. They commit around 20 to $22 million, and you have that second-year opt-out, and Stroman opted out. That was a good contract, low risk. It yielded value despite the injury Stroman had, and they had a, a competitive 2023. At the time, the contrast to Stroman was giving more years with the same annual average value, don't hate me for saying this, to Kevin Gossman. And I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. To be honest with you, I'm surprised that's not what you asked Tommy Hanavi about. <laughs> I want to be, be serious here. And Jed's uh, desire to limit the risk while trying to be competitive, even in a short going, I think that's the delicate balance. Because if we were to look at this team right now, Strowman's gone. Gossman is making $20 million per year. He's on the team for the next, uh, what will it be, three more seasons now. And you can, can, you can look at that situation similar to how we're, look, how we're looking at this now. And even the Matt Chapman versus Bellinger, if it is a comparison, the two being Chapman likely going to get a shorter contract, Bellinger right now assumed to have a longer contract. How much risk is Judd willing to accept in the shorter versus longer deal? And will he kind of backtrack and sacrifice um, some long-term value by signing Chapman and not getting Cody Bellinger and maybe trying to supplement Bellinger's value in a platoon-type role by going out making a trade or doing something that's not even currently on our radar? I, I, I Personally, that's where I differ as a fan from this front office where, you know, I want to go out and lock down the longer term years and accept that risk. And I think Bellinger and Chapman, if it comes down to Bellinger six, seven years versus Chapman three, four years, I really do think Jeb will opt for Chapman and will not offer Bellinger long term. I know you would give out 10 year contracts to anyone at this no. point. No, you I wouldn't. Would you wouldn't. I said explicitly that we should not do that. Oh, okay. I know I'm messing with you. Um, yeah, I, look, we'll see. I mean, there, there's, there's directions to go. And of course, you know, I know that Jed is always going to be thinking about the future. How do we get better now without sacrificing the future? It's a line he said before, and certainly something that he'll consider in the rest of these moves. But I, but there's hidden costs in that. Like you sacrifice, yeah. like going back to those two, three years ago. Like this is the future now. Yeah. So Joe was making moves back then, thinking that the future Gossman wouldn't be this valuable. Therefore, I'm going to go out and get Strowman to offset yeah. that risk. That was a miscalculation. Sure. Like ultimately, that's what it was. Strowman's yeah. not on this team, and you have a void in the pitching staff. <clears throat> and you know, as we talked about last week, in terms of how you're managing the prospects and things like that, like you are getting to the point where you are going to have to. As we said last week, you, you got to have conviction in some of this stuff. You you have to start planning out like we envision this person playing this position starting next year, 
after the trade deadline, whatever it might be for each person. But as someone running a front office, you have to have that conviction, you know, starting in 2024 or 2025 or 2026, Matt Shaw is going to be our third baseman. That is what's on the vision board. That is what we're working toward. I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't, you and I talked about this, like go get Chapman. Don't worry about it. But as a front office, they have a lot of prospects, man. You can't believe earnestly that all of them are going to be in your starting lineup in a few years, or all of them are going to be in your rotation. You have to kind of start planning these chess pieces years in advance and thinking like, these are the guys we really believe in. Here are guys maybe we would trade. Here are guys we wouldn't. There's a lot to consider in in this offseason and even when making some of these moves. So to finish this this part of the conversation before we hit our last ad break, I, I understand all that, and I know that Jed has a multi-year plan, and he's sort of seeing this all as the years go into the future, but I I won't be able to to shake it, man. You We have lived, even when you and I were podcasting, in a time where the Chicago Cubs won 97 games, and they came in third place in their division. They had to go on the road for a one game wild card, which is what the format was at the time to another team in their division to then go play another team in their division in the NLDS. Now credit to the 2015 Chicago Cubs. They got rid of both of them. Okay. So thank you, Jake Arrieta and that group. It was one of the best seasons of my life, but having lived through that, I, I will not let them off the hook for not destroying this division. This is the lightest this division has felt in a really long time. You have the resources. You're set up with a lot of this team. Go fill it out and go win your damn division that right now doesn't have anybody projected to win over, what, 85 games? Go do the work, Jed, all right? Get in the kitchen and start cooking again, please. You're working yourself up. No, I'm not worked up. Yeah, I know. It's nice to feel something again, Brendan. Like we, it's been a while since they did anything. These long breaks before anything happens, you know, it's just a lot of like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, you know, there will be a time in July where I kill for it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) because we have lost, God forbid, five plus games in a row, and you'll be thinking, I hate watching this. Man, I wish it was the off season. Yeah, I know. I know. So enjoy it while you can, Corey. I will enjoy nothing. Ugh, fine. All right. Let's take this second ad break here. Uh, first from Foco. Get fitted out in the sport in the best sports gear around. Hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, everything in between. If you're going to a basketball game or a hockey game, show off your love with team branded friendship bracelets. And whether it's jackets, beachwear, even overalls, there is something for fans for almost every occasion. There's also set decorations. Foco has given us, Foco has donated a few of those awesome pieces for a set over the past year. Go show them some love. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non pre sale items. Use a promo code CHGO10 for 10% off. All right, Corey, it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we all can get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. That is right, Brendan. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do? 
Go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Say that one more time, comed.com slash clean. You got it, Brendan. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. All right, Brendan, I think we'll wrap up here. And I I, I was going to ask you a trivia question because- I'm terrible at trivia. I know, but you might be able to get it. We've talked about the bullpen additions. We've talked about where the division stands. We've talked about the big brewers trade news. And here we are once again- left with not much to discuss. If you're looking for breakdowns on anybody in the Cubs rotation, we've talked about it. If you're looking for guys who are already in the bullpen, we've talked about it. The offense, we've talked about it. Say a Suzuki, Christopher Morel, where should he play? Deep? Talked about it 50 times. So for the last segment here, we'll start with a trivia question. Let's just see where it takes us. Cause I think I it's trivia. I think it's going to take us somewhere. So I was looking at, this was a a tweet uh, from Bleacher Report walk-off. I think they're they're baseball thing. The, since the year 2000, now you and I. Too many years. Relax. It's low. There's no stakes here. I don't know why you're like freaking out about being asked. It makes me feel like stupid, you know? It's not. It's not. Okay. Uh, We are an F war family. This chart okay. was compiled by B-War from Baseball Reference. So I'm prefacing with that. Adjust okay. the calculations in your head. Do, 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 do. Since the year 2000, yeah. they they calculated the worst season by war for each team by a single player. So the worst single season by a player for each team since 2000. Do you know who had the le- the lowest war for the Chicago Cubs since the year 2000, according to I'm baseball sure reference. I'm pretty sure I do. Let's hear it. Uh, I, if you get this, there's no, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know what I would have guessed. I saw the list, so I, I didn't really have. An I'm just sometimes guess. when I get into this range of years, they kind of blend together. But there was one year I know damn well he had 600 plate appearances. And he was pretty bad. Was it Navy Perez 2005? No. Dang it. Again, this is this is B War, I... and I'm going off of this tweet. So, man, I can, can give you, you hints. Can I? Yeah, can I give? Can I get a hint here? Uh, the uh, I'll give you the year 2002. Oh man, 2002. Oh man, 2002. I honestly don't know. I honestly, that's like first off, I'm like nine years old, ten years old. You know. I got. I can tell you in 2002, the Cubs beat the Mariners in a three-game series, two to one, in the summer, and that bu- that brought me into it. Sammy wow. Sosa hit a home run in that series. I can uh, tell you that it is a pitcher. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Starter? No. Man. Now we're really going back. Uh, Alfonseca? Was he on that roster in 2002? Uh, I do not know. I don't Who remember. was it? Just tell me who it was. I hate doing trivia for this exact reason. A fight with Paul Wilson. Was it Kyle Farnsworth? Yeah. He was that bad. Negative 2.5. That makes no s- negative what? 2.5. Listen, That's, I'm looking I'm looking at this. That is insane. He We're was, doing this live he was on the great air. In 2003, wasn't he? I mean, he I'm looking. A, he had uh he pitched 46.2 innings for the Cubs with a 7.3. <laughs> was it that bad? <laughs> That is interesting. I, I don't remember this. Why did he keep pitching? <laughs> Wait, so that was Don Baylor, right? 2002. Oh, man, dude. See, I, these you are know, tough. You and I were foggy. like 10 years old. I don't know. I was 10 years old, man. I should know this, though. I have memories of that season. Yeah, I mean, season. didn't Dusty start in 03? Or am I making yeah. that up? No, Dusty was 03. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be Don Baylor, 2002. Uh, Yeah. yeah. 7.3 ERA and 46 and two thirds. Let me ask you a question. 1.65 whip. So it was not a good season for Kyle Farnsworth. I would I was, never, I don't think I ever would have guessed that. Even if you no. said reliever, I don't think I would have gotten. I mean, I remember quickly. where I was and Farnsworth did that, you know, the, the Paul Wilson, I was going crazy. I liked Farnsworth because of that solely because I, of that. See, and I knew this was going to take us somewhere because I think when I think of teams that I hate the most growing up, the fir- you want to know the first name that comes to mind? I might've said this to you before. So you might remember this. Like, if you ask me name? from being a kid, like, like, 2000s to 2005-ish. I'm already working myself up. The, the person that I think of that I just despise up. the most. I mean, we can go in a variety of directions here. Austin Kearns for me. Yes, like that's it. <laughs> I hated that guy. That guy hated him. so many weekends yeah. for me. And that so could be one weekends. of those things where because I was 12, if you told me he was a sub-replacement layer – you know, level player I every year. I, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you what his numbers ever were. I just know he was the bane of my existence as a young Cubs fan. Oh, that entire team, man. I remember. And uh, they had those vests where they were like I, the, the I little hated sleeves. those vests. There was yeah. one game. I think Aaron Boone hit a, uh, hit a leadoff home run. And I, I, I hated Boone ever since that exact moment and then you have like kind of the 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 mid 2000s with willie mo pena you know sure. hated, hated that guy too and I this is of course you know team. like obviously you know albert pujols guys like that you know of course but i feel like you know that those guys are great so it's just like well yeah you know like, who is your like outside sammy sosa who was like the one like favorite player like vivid player like vivid memory player that you have watching the cubs like your earliest cubs oh, memory easy and it's he's number one like sosa's not number one for me 
It's Mark Pryor. No, but like even before that, was that like your first like? Oh, like, I'm not talking like favorite favorite player. I'm talking about like who was the one guy you remember from your earliest Cubs memories? I mean, just Sosa or Wood, honestly. Mm. You know, that was mm. just what stuck out from those early years. I I really didn't get obsessed with it until you know 2003 cements it, of course. But like 2001 ish. No, mine was like, I was following baseball. I started getting into baseball when I was like maybe eight years old, you know? So I was following the 2001 season somewhat closely. 2002, that cemented it for me. Because I knew, again, just going back to that point, it was it was the Mariners series. Because the Mariners were so good. You had Lou Pinella, they were winning like 110 games, whatever it was that one year. And I'm like, wow, the Cubs, the, the, the terrible Cubs just beat them in a series? They must be good. Sammy Sosa hitting home runs on baseball tonight. You got the animation going, going, going. Sammy Sosa. I'm like, oh, this is pretty fun. You know, he went on a hot streak, and that was it for me. And then 2003 I, just made me psycho. I remember like certain guys from playing like the Ken Griffey Jr. game on N64, but yeah. beyond. So like, I remember the names. Like, I'm looking at the '98 roster now. Like, uh, I was too young for that. Scott Service, Jeff Blauser, those things. Like, I remember I that those guys playing that, that game. But 98. I remember, I, I don't remember if we were, we were probably listening to the radio and then waiting for Sammy to come up. Then we would like run inside when we were playing outside yeah. and Carrie Wood, you know, that was like sweeping the, sweeping the nation. So that was me, sort of my earliest memory. Mark Grace too, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Grace. Um, for me, it was like the pitchers, John Lieber, Kevin Tapera. Those yeah. guys came to mind. Uh, honestly, my first position player, two of them actually, uh, Delano you mean Kevin Tappany, right? Ta- what did I say? You combined Kevin Tappany and Ryan Tapera to make Kevin Tapera. Oh, my Tapera. God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Disrespect to Tappany. That's bad. But position Well, I mean, Ryan Tapera got an MVP vote. So that's it's true. Really so that it's not yeah. But uh, Delino DeShields and Eric sure. Young. Uh, yeah. I was at a D-backs game in Arizona, of course. Uh, and I'm somewhat close to the dugout. And this may have been, man, late 90s, I think. And I like, you know, I like infielders and, you know, in my, you know, childish voice, I scream out, Eric Young. And he turns over and he like winks at me and gives me a thumbs up. I'm like, oh my God, that cemented my love for Eric Young at that time. Nice guy. Nice guy. So yeah, those are my early, my earliest memories. Yeah. um, There you go. I... I figured I was that more would... of a I was more of a triple play video game player. By the way, I didn't play I played the Ken Griffey Junior games, but like the trip the Sammy Sosa cover two thousand yes, triple I play. Know. I know. Played that game nonstop. Yeah, nonstop. Yeah. Uh, so I figured that would take us in an interesting direction. If you had, I feel like sometimes when we have these like reminiscing conversations, we need like a bingo board because it's like if you had. Nafi Perez and Kevin Tappany getting a mention on the show today. Like we, we need to be able to, I think we should be, be able to give like a reward to the listeners if they can predict. Some you know, I things. will say there's one player. I think I've said this to you. Maybe I haven't, but uh, Nick magical reminds Ugh. me of Augie Ojeda. And I wish I don't that Nick magical enough. played the Augie Ojeda role. Yeah. Instead of like the everyday third baseman role that we saw, you know, for half the season. But that's that's one guy. Also, uh, crap, what is his name now? I'm blanking. I, I do. Well, I got, I got I, this guy has to come to mind. He's switch. He's a switch hitter. Um, Mark Bellhorn. 
Mark Bellhorn. Loved Mark Bellhorn. I believe he hit two home runs from the left side and right side. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great guy. Like, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, he was a high socks guy. Very much so. High socks, long hair, went to Boston, had a good career in Boston. I was was going to just interject, though. If you had, I know, I know, uh, I I think this line is available on the Circus Sportsbook app. If you had uh, over 58 minutes on Brendan's first attempted diss at Nick Madrigal, you're a winner. Go cash your bet. Listen, a lot of money was heavy on the under. That's late into this show. I'm not dissing the guy, by the way. I know. He's making $2 million this year. You know, let's stop treating him with kitty gloves. He's already in arbitration. Let's call for what he is. Low 10th percentile offensive production. You know, he plays, he plays in on the infield grass. I I didn't mean to get you going, but you got me going. Sorry. I I was just saying it took 58 minutes. I'll take $2 million. I don't make $2 million. I'm not going to feel bad for someone to make $2 million. Mm. If I want to talk bad about Nick Madrigal, I'm going to talk bad about Nick Madrigal. I don't enjoy watching him play baseball. We can do much better. And I'm sick sick of having this conversation. I really am. You know, I'm sorry if that offends people. I really am. But I am sick of having this conversation. That was, there's a good meme response to that. It's like, imagine how tired we are. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine how tired we are, Brendan. Dude, like he's reaching Albert Omora territory. He really is. Like, at least in my personal chamber on Twitter, it is incredible. Uh, yeah, I'm mean, not even dissing him on Twitter, but the responses yeah. I get are so vitriolic as if I am. Yeah. Well, comes with the territory. I guess, but it's like, I'm sick of it. So, I mean, I, I think we can get toward wrapping up here. Um, that was fun. I didn't know where that was going to go. It's always risky to bring up those early 2000s teams. Um, not some great memories for some of us, but those formative years, Brendan, I wonder the type of people we would be fans. We would be like, I'm curious what it must've been like to be like, I don't know, like our age, but a Yankees fan or something like you just see your team win a bunch of titles. Like, do you think, and I obviously, you know, growing up in Chicago, Yankees fans, friends, you can talk to them about this. Yeah. See what no, it was like. the Yankees fans, friends I have are just as sort of psychotic and it really doesn't matter. I was just curious. Like I always do think about that. You're right. Like what if 2003 didn't end a complete and utter disaster? Would it, would it have sucked me in? Do you, you know? think we would be as like <laughs> angry about the aforementioned Nick Madrigal situation or like the, 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 trading of the core in 2021. Like if they, if that was, if 2016 was our second championship in our lifetime, do you think we would be like a little chiller as people or no, probably not. I think not. I don't, I don't know. I think, if I, anything, I don't think I'm a chill person. Given our personalities, it would have only ratcheted our ex- expectations and like standard more where now we're not even enjoying 2015. We're pissed yeah. off that they're not winning a title every year. <laughs> We've gotten greedy. Yeah. We would have gotten greedy, I think, at that point. It may have made us worse, is what you're saying. There's no way anything makes us saner people. That's really what I'm saying. I think we would have converted the energy into complaining or worrying about something else. I thought I'd be more chill after 2016. That's that's not the case. No. I, I mean, to some degree, it has made some of the losses a little bit easier. Listen, but man, not- I thought that. And I've said on this show before, like when I was in the stands at game seven, I remember during the rain delay thinking to myself, like, 
and I'll, I'll leave it to you, whatever entity you believe in or however you believe the universe works. I put it out there. If they win this game, I'll never ask for anything as it relates to sports in my life. This is it. I'm done. I won't put out in the universe that I want any. I'll just root along, support my teams. That's it. And I, I believe I've stuck to that attitude. I don't really ask for anything like that. But in terms of being chiller, I remember how I felt when, and I'm assuming you already know where I'm going with this, when John Lackey pitched to Justin Turner in 2017. And the idea that I had gotten any chiller uh, very much out the window. That might have been the angriest I've ever been in my whole life. So no, I did not calm down. I did not get any chiller. I think I was just very happy to have the one. Why but did you go to that game? You I'm a glutton for in, punishment. I mean, you had the choice. You can go to the game or watch at home. Yeah. I made the choice. I did not go to that game. I went to game one. I said, screw this. I'm not putting myself through that torture again. Yeah. If they win, great, but I'm not going to be there. I think That's you know the difference the, between you and me. I think the boys can feel my support. In the stands, yeah, but like you, I was kidding. I like that you entertain that. You're like, no, yeah, no, that's no. True. I was, I was <laughs> I, I, in my mind. I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm more like Jed than I thought. It, can, can I explain why? I'm gonna explain why. The reason is because I don't want to risk the emotional damage, so I'm not gonna go to the games. Yeah, like there is zero regret. I said this for years. I'm not going to Cubs World Series games. I don't yeah. want to walk. And the reason being. I don't want to walk out of that stadium wherever they are on the uh, on the road. I don't want to walk out and feel sad. I don't want to have to go on a plane and go through that misery. If they win, great. I'm going to be happy regardless, but I'm not going to put myself through that emotional risk. Yeah. I hey, I You're hear the you. Complete opposite. Yeah. I mean, especially with them winning the World Series, I remember since we're talking about being kids, I remember Probably as soon as 2003 ended, I knew in my head, I was like, if they ever do this, I have to be there. It never came to, to my it. mind. And that might have been formed by the fact that I went to game seven. I watched the Paul Bacco fly out to left field to end that season. And I remember it quite well, you vividly. Had so I needed, you to, I needed to get rid of that. I needed to uh, but dude, can you imagine? cleanse those demons. But you to answer your question about like the Dodgers in 2017, I think my attitude was I'm walking around with a John Lester jersey that has a World Series champions patch on it. And I'm going to go watch the defending champs, baby. You know, it. I, I wish I hadn't gone now. <laughs> but yeah, at the time I was like, sure, why not? We're playing with house money. I mean, mine was like, I'm not going to spend a hundred plus bucks on a ticket. Go sit in 3000 hours of traffic and deal with all this. You know, that you. was, that was my thing. And I made the right decision. I really did. That was the I one decision you. I made right in my life. Uh, yeah, well, it is what it is. So it is what it is. I think we will, uh, call it a show there. As I said, if the Cubs do get to the seventh, eighth or ninth inning in their off season, again, however, that very weird timeline works for Jed Hoyer. The CHGO Cubs team has been ready, is ready, and will be ready in some form or fashion to be live within minutes of any transaction that is worthy of an emergency podcast. We'll put it out on our socials. If you subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube page, you can find it. Also want to direct your attention, uh, if you visit allchgo.com, check out becoming a diehard member. I know Cody has been hosting some exclusive chats in the CHGO Cubs Discord channel just for diehards. Of course, you get a uh, free shirt when you sign up, discounts on all the events. I know we have a Bulls takeover 
coming up. Have had Blackhawks takeovers. We had a Cubs takeover last summer. Christopher Morrell hit a walk-off against the White Sox. It was great fun to see that amongst the CHGO community. So do visit allchgo.com and check out Becoming a Diehard and all of the benefits that come with it. Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday. Hopefully we have an emergency podcast somewhere between then. Would love to hop on and do that, but we are at the mercy of Jed Hoyer and maybe more so the mercy of Scott Boris. So we continue to wait. We hope that Cody Bellinger is coming soon. Pitchers and catchers will be reporting soon, and we're going to be watching some Cubs baseball not that long, folks. So uh, do subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube channel if you're listening on your podcast feeds. We appreciate it. We are ready for a big season when we get there. Until then, Brendan and I will talk to you next Friday, back with the regular crew on Monday. Don't forget to tune in. We appreciate your support for CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs. Mm-hmm. Y'all city like the mayor.